0: And welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke. And in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Monica Rosenfeld, I am so excited to have you as a guest on She's the Boss Chats. Thank you so much for for agreeing to do this.
1: Oh pleasure. I've been wanting to be on here for ages. So thank you so much for asking me.
0: <laughs> well, I can't wait to hear all about your story because I have met you a couple of times um, at events and things, but I yes. don't know your backstory. So let's but yeah. start with do you want to tell everybody what it is that you do right now? Sure.
1: Right now my career is twofold.
0: <laughs> so
1: um, I have been running my PR agency, WordStorm PR, for 21 years this year.
0: Wow! Um, Congratulations, that's huge. Thank you.
1: Yes, so it's uh, been—I just cannot believe how quickly the time has gone. It's been amazing, full of highs and lows and in betweens. And oh, good! I I
0: want to hear all about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, and yeah, in Wordstorm, we represent um, entrepreneurial-driven businesses and help to magnify their message in the media. So we and, work and with we clients. both know
0: how powerful that can be for a business.
1: Exactly and, and um, what really fuels our passion is that we work with clients who we say are living a dream and sometimes a nightmare um, solving <laughs> a problem and improving yes. the life of their clients or customers in some way, shape or form. So we really love working with people who are passionate and who are driven and who just want to make a change and we want to help them help other people by magnifying their message.
0: Perfect.
1: Yeah. So So you've got a PR
0: agency. That's one half of it. What's the other half? half.
1: And then the other half is um, I'm a professional speaker. So Mm -hmm. my brand is Monica Rosenfeld, the media magnifier. Um, And I speak at business conferences on the topics of, you know, how to become that go-to media spokesperson for your industry. Um, I also talk about personal branding and storytelling. So um, I do speaking and training as well.
0: You're amazing. And you do very, very similar. We definitely have a similar mindset yes. because if anybody is um, listening, they should follow you on LinkedIn because you offer loads of great tips as well.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I I, I just I, I'm want to demystify the media. That's what I wake up from bed and set out to do every day, well, Monday to Friday and I bang on about it a bit on the weekend. But. <laughs> um, so And that's why I put out that content because I just want to show people that it's not that hard. You know, I think people feel very overwhelmed when it comes to pitching the media. They see it as something big and scary and outside of them and media is full of celebrities. And, and what I want to do similar to what you do in your work is um, with handle your own PR is um, showing people that actually it's not that hard um, if you've got a good message, journalists want to hear it.
0: That's right. That's right. So why did you set it up? Why did you set? Well, let's start with yes, word storm, and then we'll move yeah. into the speaker thing. So, okay, was yes. there a light bulb moment? Did something happen that you yes. just went, "I'm going to yeah. start well, doing I'm this? just
1: thinking, do I give you the long story or the- yes, we've, we've the got, got up
0: story. to an hour. Tell okay. me the whole long okay. story. Okay. So, and then hang on, let me just also say, then I'm going to get you to tell me from school yes. how this all happened. Yeah. But, let, but tell okay. me what why you set it up. Okay,
1: okay. Um, well I I was working at a current fair. So I guess this is the short story, not here the long oh, story when we wow. talk about school. But I, I was working at a current fair. I started off there as a production assistant. So essentially what that was was the Girl Friday or the shit kicker, which is probably a better word
0: for it. The coffee Basically girl.
1: doing everything for everyone at any time and um, just being a sponge, soaking it all up and um, loving every minute of, of it. And yeah. then I sort of worked my way up to sort of being a producer on A Current Affair. And as a producer, one of my roles, um, one of my many roles because we all multitask like crazy in media, was finding stories that were good enough to put on air so stories that will engage our audience get our audience tuning in as opposed to tuning into today tonight the enemy <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, really you know uh, finding those stories researching who we're going to talk to creating the logistics all of that and and briefing the reporter. And while I was doing that, I was getting phone calls all day long, literally from every business owner, marketing manager, and every crazy woman and man in Australia, it felt like most of the time, um, wanting their story on air but not having a clue how to go about it. So they would call and if I could write the 10 things not to do when you call a producer at a Current Affair, Ten, nine out of ten times they would hit all every single one of those what not to do's. <laughs> right. Um, and I thought, oh, these people, they have they have stories to share and I can tell that they need to get the word out there, but they have no clue how to pitch to me. And I even found that a lot of the PR agencies that pitched to me also didn't seem to know how to do it um, as well as they could to get that cut through for their client. So I was 25 years old. I was, I had absolutely no responsibilities. My my rent was like $280 a week. I got the cheapest rent in Sydney um, and, I, um, and I really had no responsibilities and I just thought, okay, I feel like I can do a better job than the PR agencies I'm dealing with and the people that are calling me direct, well, they definitely need help. So maybe I should just start a PR agency. Anyway, that thought happened. After a lady called me and she pitched a story for A Current Affair, something about a natural aftershave that she was the founder of this business. Right. And I said to her, look, I'll need more work to make it something for A Current Affair, but um, I'm doing a freelance journalism course because at the time I was doing an online course in freelance journalism. Why don't I meet with you, interview you, write an article and um, I might pitch it out to some magazines. While I did that, she said to me, um, so we were sitting at the table, I was interviewing her, and she said, look, I don't have a PR agency. Do you want to be my PR agency And I was, or do you want to be my publicist? And I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so that I think that was the beginning, actually. That was the aha moment. So I started writing press releases for her and locking myself in the editing booth while at A Current Affair, contacting, you know, editors of magazines and things in my lunch break. <laughs> and then right. I, and then i was getting you know results because i you know i knew what i was doing and and that's when the idea dawned on me that actually i could do this like i could do this as a business and um my dad has always worked in business he's he's a very successful chartered accountant now retired so i kind of grew up in a business family so i think when you grow up in a business family you sort of get get business um now by osmosis yeah you know, yeah it
0: rubs off on you yeah
1: <laughs> I didn't study business or anything but every day I, my dad would talk about his business and I think it just sort of does rub off so at that moment I thought okay I, I feel like I can do this um I, I really think there's a need out there I think I know how to do it I all I need to do is earn what I'm earning now to a current affair, which was next to nothing. Yes. Um, so if I can match my salary, my, like, very junior salary at 25 years old um, in a business in the first year, then I think I can do, do this. So um, I discussed it with my dad and he said, go for it. He, he said, look, how much money do you need? Um, so that for six months you don't have to worry about food, you know, roof over your head and money for, for food, that you can just give it a go without being desperate. And so I gave him, you know, it's my six-figure sum. <laughs> no, just joking. No, he, 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 um, he actually. Actually,
0: my expenses have gone right up.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. No, No, he, he loaned me, but actually he gifted me, so it wasn't even a loan, $10,000 yeah. um, for my first six months. Um, to get all those things going that you need to do, and and the rest is history.
0: Wow, that is a great story. What a great start, and I love your dad that he did that because that's so supportive of him. He's
1: very generous and uh, he's always been like that, and I'm very grateful for his support both financially and, you know, emotionally because... And um, for
0: being your dad. (laughs) Yeah,
1: so thanks, Dad. Yeah. Yes, good
0: on Dad. <laughs> All right, now let's go right back and tell me how your career has unfolded because obviously yeah. you've had twenty years of that, and I want to hear some yeah. of the lows and highs yeah. as well. Yeah. But let's start off with Monica as a young girl. Do you have many brothers or sisters?
1: Um, I've got one brother, and we're yeah. chalk and cheese. So <laughs> we we are complete opposites in everything, except for I guess our values of being kind and you know nice people. <laughs> But every other way we we're very different and he's not a risk taker and he, the thought of running a business team would send him into his grave within a week. Um, right. <laughs> but, I, um, but as I said, my dad is an entrepreneur and um, my mum was a bit more risk averse, so I think we got one from each.
0: Yeah, it sounds um, like it.
1: And growing up I always I thought I wanted to, From a, I'm not sure what age, but probably around 10 yeah. I, I always thought I want to be a journalist, so I've always been someone okay. who loved English, loved writing, absolutely loved reading, and I thought journalism is something, or media, media like that word media has been in my head forever, um, which is strange because I don't know where it's come from. Uh, like many ladies my age, so in the 40s, probably 30 plus, I was obsessed with Dolly magazine, Clio Cosmo, yes. and that whole Dolly, like the whole magazine industry, my room, my bookshelves were just full of like hundreds of copies of, and I'm sure Mia Freeman will be very happy to hear this if she's listening. (laughs) But, yeah, Dolly, Cleo, Cosmo, they were my go-tos. So after I gave up my idea of being a model, (laughs) sorry, that (laughs) came first and got realistic, Um, yeah, media was what I wanted to do. So then I, I wanted to go to UTS in Sydney,
0: yeah,
1: um, to do communications, but I ended up missing out by like a mark or something. So I ended up doing a Bachelor of Arts at New South Wales, U, New South Wales Uni, New yeah. South Wales
0: University, <laughs> the University of New yes, South Wales. That one. You're tripping over it, I know. Why. <laughs> Sorry, it's, my it's day. they do because they do those stupid university <laughs> yeah. names back to front sometimes. Yes, yes.
1: and um, I did a Bachelor of Arts, so it was a mishmash of lots of different subjects um, majoring in English literature. So essentially it wasn't vocational-driven, it was just lots of interesting subjects, um, some less interesting and... um,
0: God, came you know, out. our path is incredibly similar. I did an arts oh. degree as well. Oh, and I you? I started off in English Lit and I went, I can't bear it because oh. there were people just, I felt using long words for the sake of using yeah. long words rather yeah. than anything else. Yeah. And I swapped over to psych. Okay. But I did a media oh. studies degree as well. So there oh, you go. Fantastic.
1: Yeah, well, psych was one of the things I did. Yeah, it's just such a mishmash of subjects. Um, so what do you do it,
0: when you come out of uni with that kind of yes, uh, mismatch? Yes, came, came out with a paper
1: going. She knows a lot about everything, but nothing. Much about one thing.
0: <laughs> um, Jack of all. What did you
1: do? I went traveling. <laughs> so oh, well,
0: that seems a good solution. <laughs> yeah, that
1: was that was great. So I, I backpacked through Southeast Asia for six months and then ended up in Europe in where I was shocked because in a week I spent more I literally spent more in a week than I'd spent in a whole month living in Southeast Asia and thought, Jesus Christ, excuse my language, but I need to get a <laughs> job. Um, yeah.
0: and I ended it's up so getting a expensive job in, in London. Europe yeah
1: for for a a big media agency so they did tv production um they did pr they had magazines and things and my job was to hang up jackets and no. make coffee and i was a very bad barista but um They've got it with
0: England where they don't really know good uh, coffee anyway.
1: The receptionist (laughs) loved me because I made her feel so important because she could just boss me around all day in her very (laughs) posh English accent. And I was like, I felt like, okay, I'm in a kind of business that I want to be, but I feel like I'm I'm really on the edge because literally I'm like invisible. I was like the slave to all these people. But the beautiful thing about it was... I made very good friends with the production team and the production, the producer of this um, fashion and lifestyle documentary um, was working with a team of five and her assistant quit. And (laughs) It was like what you see on TV. Like her assistant quit. I was there like the girl Friday slave of this office and I just said to her, I will do anything. I will work 24-7. I, I, don't, I know I don't have the experience, but I, I have the desire and the passion and I've got nothing to do but help you. I'm living in London. I don't know anyone. <laughs> um, and she gave me the job and that was the beginning of my media career.
0: So what was the first job uh, you did with her?
1: Uh, it was amazing. So we were working on this documentary series called A La Mode, um, yes. which was essentially running around London, interviewing the likes of Vivian Westwood, Manolo Blanick, I went to oh, London wow. Fashion Week. I was in the third row sitting behind that Anne Winter with the with the weird hair. Thing.
0: Anna Winter. Yes. Yeah, Anna
1: winter And just pinching myself. And the reason I was able to do all this was because we were literally a team of five. And I was assisting all of them. And I was literally running around London with them, you know, carrying cameras and helping out with everything and just doing all of that. And the team we became very good friends, and um, they just—they thought I was a very cute Australian. They so, do
0: over there. I remember yes. that. They, they take you under their wing. Yes, and say, and they just cute wanted to take me under
1: their wing and help me. And by the end of it, I was producing my own shows, you know, within the doco, and it was—it wow. was just amazing. So, I, you know, I know you, you're going to ask, you know, who are some of the women who have helped me in my life. I'd say that lady, Anna Paré, gave yeah. me my into my whole career in media um, by giving oh, how
0: me that, that role. It's always amazing, isn't it, that people do something that they don't think of as very yeah. big at the time and yet it can have such a huge effect on someone's life. Yeah. So how long did you do that for?
1: So I was in London for two years um, yeah. doing that and working on a couple of other documentaries as well after that one finished. Um, one was all about a race week in Antigua and, Caribbean, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, eventually my visa ran out and it was time to move back home. So, right. and I was happy to move home because I absolutely couldn't bear another winter and I was so ready to come back to Australia. So, what I did before I left London, I, I got a book. It was a like, I can't remember what it was called, but it was like listed every single TV production company in Australia. At was the it time. Maggie G? Yeah, was it was it Maggie G or something like that.
0: Yeah, and I literally
1: yeah. blasted out my CV to um, I don't know how many hundreds of production companies.
0: Oh, you're but, so good! Yeah, that is so smart.
1: I was a bit scared to come home to nothing, like, and I I right. had no money, so I knew that if I want to move out of my parents' home after three years' of freedom, <laughs> I got to get a job. And um, yeah, so I did that, and and I got a job at um, at a. Gosh, kind of remember what it's called now, but um, it was a show that played on Saturdays. Um, it was a bit of an infomercial kind of job. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, kind of production. And the weird thing was that I got fired from that job. <laughs> so everything was going really Too well. Too smart. And then three <laughs> months later, a, a new sort of production manager came in and we didn't get on or she didn't like something that I did and within a week I got fired and I was like, oh, my God, this is so embarrassing and I, I felt really awful um, and I was terrible. But Are then I saw a job going at Channel 9's getaway. I, so I, I quickly applied for that, went into that, I interviewed for that and I got that job. So basically left this one and got a job at, at Getaway.
0: And, and which is better, really, in the end, oh, from being a production so house into better. television and land.
1: Shortly afterwards, that show got canned and this lady told everyone to get in touch with me because I'm at Channel 9, so maybe I can find them a job. So I thought, haha, the tables have turned. Um, <laughs> not that I could have had any power to employ anyone. <laughs> so, yeah, I was at Getaway. Um, and then with Getaway, we are coming up to the summer break and they stopped filming in the summer break. So I thought I could either um, get a job as a waitress or some other sort of menial task job until they come back to filming, like three months later, or I can try and get a job within Channel Nine. So that's when I I sort of did the scouting, around networking, and ended up with a job at a Current Affair. But I was just there for the summer season,
0: right? And I remember
1: Ben Fordham and I started on the same day. Um, <laughs> we're both very young and. Look, I don't want to speak for him because I I'll, I won't say anything for him. I personally had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> but I thought I have to make an impact before the end of summer series so that I can stay. So I I just worked right. really hard to try and produce stories or just get stories together that were going to make an impact. And to make an impact at a current affair, you have to put pull together stories that are going to get the ratings or that are going to get traction engagement. And get people away well, from the tonight. Can
0: I just say there's a really good lesson for anyone listening as well? Yeah. That what you're looking for is the engagement, and, and yes. you know, so. When somebody goes and pitches and says, "Hi, my business is doing such yeah. and such, blah blah yeah. blah," you can understand why a producer goes, "That is not a story. Yeah. I'm not interested."
1: Yes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Journalists want to produce content that will add value to or engage their audience. So, yeah.
0: so how long were you with the current affair, and, and what happened at the end? Oh, that. that were, so, how long were you there for?
1: Yep. Yeah, so I was there for two years. And, and that's then set when up your I own agency. in the year 2000.: So
0: talk to me about what it was like setting up your first agency. I mean, I know you oh. had the a huge cushion of10,000 dollars. Yeah, which would have, yeah. I would imagine have gone pretty quickly by the time you bought a yeah. fax machine and
1: well, um, I was a very computer lucky. or whatever. The chief of staff at a current affair, who I developed a very good relationship with, had left before me about three months before me, and she got a job working for the Olympics. So right. when I left, she said, I will hire you um, to be my assistant um, working as part of the Olympic media committee. I'm like, oh, my God, amazing. Wow. She's the second person on my list, actually. Right. So she said, you're going to get paid $400 a day. Now, I was just like, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I was in shock Speechless. because at Channel 9, I think it was worth earning $400 a week, if that. Um and four hundred dollars a day to run around. So okay, so so I ended up doing that for about three months, and that also yeah. filled my coffers with you know money for the business. But when once that ended, I was on my own. I was like, oh, okay, now I've got this business, wordstorm PR. What the hell am I going to do? I don't know how to get a client. I don't. I've never done PR in my life for anyone. Um, and I ended up in the health food shop having lunch and just feeling very despondent and a bit depressed and I I was leafing through the health um, magazine and there was an ad there for Bondo wheatgrass juice which was all the rage at that time and it still is quite popular and um, I thought okay she's advertising in this magazine so obviously she's looking for exposure maybe I'll approach uh, this company and see if they want PR so I sent them an email saying, look, I saw your ad, you obviously want exposure, I've just left a current affair, I've started my PR agency, um, would you like to meet? To my shock and horror, she responded. I was like, oh, my God, I've got a meeting.
0: Yeah, but, uh, I mean, listen, think about it now. If someone contacted me and said yes. I used to be on a current <laughs> affair, I'd be like, how quickly can I yes, employ like them? <laughs> three months ago. Um, yeah.
1: Now it's like 21 years ago, but it's like three months before. So I met up with her and she was this Awesome woman, Rhonda, a real hippie woman, whatever. She was growing wheatgrass in her garden and probably other things, but she didn't say that. <laughs> um, anyway, I um, started doing her PR, so doing what I knew what not to do um, for yep. current affair and pitching her out. And she just got incredible exposure. She was on TV. She had feature articles in Body and Soul. She just could not keep up. Her website died. Her phone burnt out. She was just like, she was inundated and it literally took her business to the next level. Like she had to move to a farm. So she moved out from a little garden to this huge commercial farm. And meanwhile, like she was paying me $500 a week because I had no confidence to charge any more than that. Yeah,
0: which Um, is so common. Yeah,
1: so and then so I thought, oh, actually maybe I do know what I'm doing. So that gave me the confidence to get the next client and the next client um, and it kind of went from there.
0: Wow. So so you've set up this agency. Talk to me about some of the challenges, just because this is for women yeah. in business yes. and I think okay. it's always good okay. to share yes. it. Yeah. Tell me some of the challenges that, that have okay. hit you over the last 20 years. <laughs> okay.
1: Okay, well, the first challenge with starting my business was the fear. And I'm sure a lot of people feel that. It mm-hmm. was really that, as I said, the Olympics job ended. But, you know, I, I had to stop kidding myself that I actually had a business yet because I had no clients or anything. And I was like, oh my God. So getting over the fear. So yes. I got very involved in, at that point, in personal development. And I really, th- and I'm not sure how I found it. I probably found it at some business expo, some book talking about abundance or whatever. And what I say to this day is that I've always been so surprised at how I thought business was always going to be very serious and all about business and business. But it's the biggest personal development course you will ever do. And it's ongoing and never ends. <laughs> so, so that, that's one thing. Um, that other, is, can
0: I just say that is really smart. I've never really thought of it that way, but you're right. Yeah. It is the best personal development you can do yes, is put yourself out there you, and you just make it happen.
1: How, yeah. You have to learn the, the universal laws of attraction and you have to learn, you have to put your own fears aside. It's all about fears at the end of the day and, yeah. and putting yourself out there and connection and relationships and all of that. Um, so other things I've learned, um, so that that was number one. The other things I've learned is that how important it is to, to work with the clients that are, are your sweet spot, that make you sing. Now, they might not make you sing every day. Like some days you might, they might make you cry and scream. But <laughs> on the whole, you need to be, if you want to enjoy your business, like you can make lots of money and not enjoy it, that's fine. But if you want to enjoy your business and make money, you need to understand who you want to work with. Um, and, and a lot of people say this, but under all that, it comes down to purpose. So yeah. my purpose is magnifying the message of purpose-driven businesses. So I, I haven't worked with many corporates in my years of PR because I found that more often than not, when I worked with a corporate, there wasn't a lot of heart in it.
0: No, your soul dies if you work with corporates. I worked yeah. with big finance companies in yeah. the early days yeah. because of the money and yeah. it just it, it, it just kills you inside. <laughs> no,
1: exactly. So exactly, the budgets are there but they're just ticking a box. And you're and no one can get... make
0: a flipping decision either. They've no. all got to go and have 15 people approve it before they can exactly. let it and, go. And, and when it's it hard. comes to
1: PR, as you know, They'll massage the PR message. They'll turn your press release into an ad that will never
0: get picked up. That's right, or a legal document that's got so many trademark and signs on it. And you go, yes, I used exactly. to go to them. I don't care what your lawyer says. You can't put a registered yes. trademark into the middle of a story. Exactly, <laughs> and they go, "Oh, but our company guidelines say we have to." Yes, <laughs> and it's
1: like, "Oh gosh, well, do you want do you want to be on a current affair that's or not?" Right. Like, so, um, so. But before long, we found the tribe that we want to work with, um, which are, you know, as I said, purpose driven businesses. And that they're not tiny because they still need a budget, but, you know, but they're, some of them are huge, very successful businesses, but they just don't have that, they've got an entrepreneurial spirit. So, anyway, yeah. that, it's about finding. So, you might want to work with corporates um, in whatever you do, or yeah, it, it of doesn't course. matter yeah. who you work with, as long as you know deep down, that that these are the businesses you want to work with, or the people you want to work with, because it matches your purpose. So, so that's that the is other- very,
0: very good advice. Very good advice. Now, you did say we want to work with. Yes. How fast did you grow, and have you well, got a partner, or have you always done it on your own? Actually,
1: that's a really good segue into what my next point was, which was as a business owner, you may have to make the decision: Do I do this alone? Um, and You can do that and, you know, then your time equals money or do I want to have a team? And they're two different beasts and different beasts suit different people. I, for one, felt very depressed when I was sitting in my home office, which was literally my bedroom that I grew up in since I was two after moving (laughs) back from London and leaving a current affair and and going... um, You know, hello, Monica, here I am again today. So (laughs) I knew that I needed people um, to work with. Um, So it didn't take me long before I started working with freelancers. And then two years in, I met my husband. Um, I was travelling in New Zealand. He's from Holland. Um, He was travelling for five months. We met on my first night, fell madly in love, like pretty much was love at first sight. And he... Um,
0: oh, I love this. Yes. And he's. A- and he's also five, I love the universe bringing you together because oh. if he's from Amsterdam and you're from Australia yeah. and you meet New Zealand, it's meant to be. And it? all
1: the flukes in how we met, like all the little flukes in how we met is just, it's not luck. It's just we were led to get to, to each other. But oh. um, he, he just finished studying um, graphic design in Holland and he's younger than me, five and a half years younger. So he was literally Ooh, you finished his you. degree studying, uh, sorry, travelling, and so when I met him, he, he he was in the position that he could do whatever he wanted with his life, like he was at one of those points where yeah. he wasn't tied down to anything. Um, so after an eight-month long-distance relationship, which was hell but great because it created a very strong foundation, um, he moved to Australia. And um, we, we decided to join forces because he... He's a graphic designer. Uh He actually understands how computers work, which I don't. (laughs) And um, (laughs) we thought if we're going to have a family, which we we wanted to have a family, um, you know, why have a family together and then why have three things, family, my business, his business? Why not just do it all in one? Now, not all couples want to or can do this. But our personalities and relationship make that we actually worked very, very well. So, And that's the other thing for your listeners out there. Um, You know, and, and, and it's one of my soapbox things. If you've got a partner, whether it's male, female, whatever it is, like it's usually the male in Australian society that, like, is the one that's unfortunately I think it's still like this. The breadwinner and the woman's always the one who's like, okay, what do I do with my career? You know, and okay, I'm the one that's going to take the time off and get the part time job, and unfortunately, and there are exceptions, but that seems to happen more than it happens in Holland, for instance.
0: So um,
1: when I met my husband, we we joined forces, and then when it came to um, having kids and stuff like that, he he's been the house. Husband, like I'm lucky because he's quite a maternal, paternal, whatever you want to call it. But he, yeah, so nurturing, yeah, nurturing, and he loves babies, and you know, has far more patience than I
0: do. I was going to say if if we had a camera and people could see the look on your face when you went. He loves babies. There was kind of like a little distaste there. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. I mean, I I love holding them for a moment. then you can have a moment. No one's going to want to give me their, show me their babies anymore. No, but, and of course I love love. my own, but actually I'm better at running my business than I was at being home and doing all that stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's true of a lot of women because it's, it's a bit, you know, I mean, as much as it's great looking after babies, it can be a bit mindless. And if you are yeah. quite driven, then yeah. you want that additional stimulation. Yeah. And you've got a partner who's happy to look after yeah. them, which I had when my kids were little as well. Yeah. It makes a huge difference.
1: Or even just, even if it's not full time, even if you you work three days and they work two days, as long as yeah. you're. I mean, look, you don't have to, but, you know, no. if you can share it a bit, that that's just awesome. At least have the conversation of what will suit us better or be- what suits our family best as opposed to, oh, everyone expects this so we'll just do it the way everyone else does it. Um, right. But then the other thing is, so getting back to the team thing, um, we started employing people. So we're having all these freelancers and what I found was, you know, they'd come in and I'll give them a list of things to do and they'd leave, but then I thought they're not helping they're not they're not I don't feel like I'm getting a lot of stress taken away or I don't because no. they're not taking ownership because it's not their role I thought the only way I can really get ownership is by employing people full-time so then we hired our first person in uh, January I think 2004 yeah and I I had a client lined up you know when that chicken and egg thing, I need enough money. Da, 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 da. Yes. I had a client lined up that we're gonna sign on for the you see where this is going now. They were going to sign up for <laughs> yeah. Yeah. the year. As soon as you said net. going
0: to, I knew.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had the safety net. I thought, okay, with that money, I can pay my salary, their salary, you know, all those things you do. So hide this person and then that. Client didn't eventuate and I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, what am I going to do? So, And these are the moments you're going to have all the time in business where you're actually going to have, and I literally see it as my backbone. When I feel like the whole world is going to crush me, um, I just just think of my backbone, think I need to have a backbone here, I need to just, I will make this work, I will do what it takes, it doesn't matter, like I've got my person now, I need to make it work and I will make it work. And you just sort of, you make it work if you trust. You just have to trust that you're on the right path, yeah. um, that you're doing the things you're doing for the greater good of yourself and, and the universe and the people out there and whatever. And, um, and,
0: and if you are doing the right thing, often, even though you lost that client, I would almost guarantee, and I can see you nodding as I say yeah. it, that somebody else came along and you uh, were like, Perfect. Yes, I'm so glad we've got this one and not the other one. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's always a better door that opens up. So, so if you are starting a business or you're in business, you have to be prepared to go along for the ride. So it's just like when you go out and catch a wave. You don't know that the water's not going to change over, you know, quickly and become choppy, and you are going to get dunked. And but you're going to catch some beautiful waves, and you're going to learn along the way how to swim. And yes. um and all of that is a beautiful experience, but it does come with the highs, the scaries, the lows, the three AM wake ups. So um yeah, the the sooner you can get into self care, um meditation, exercise, whatever makes you feel good and helps you reframe or frame a positive mindset, um, then the better it's off good. you'll be yeah. in business.
0: I think that's very, very true as well. So, um, wow, you're just an absolute goldmine of all this stuff. Oh, so, uh, what's the next oh, question? Okay, let's cool. go back to the women who've helped you along the way. So, yes. you have told us about that first woman giving you that yes. that opportunity. Yes. Um, can you are you happy to name any of the women? And yes. can you tell us how they actually helped you? So yes. that woman you've told us. But are there yes, any other the next ones? One.
1: Okay, so the next one is Judy Goldman, and Judy, I'll actually send you this interview so that you can see this. But Judy was the chief of staff at a current affair when I came in as a right. junior, and she just um, well, one I I modelled myself on. She was so good at her job that I just looked at her and said to myself, "I want to be like her, <laughs> right, one day, right. like one minute. I want to be Judy, <laughs> not necessarily in the job she was doing because wow, that's a very high pressure job, but just in the way she functioned." She not in her job, but also she had a husband and she had two young kids, and she was just with it and smart and amazing and generous and wonderful, and took me under her wing. So um, then, as I said, when it was time to leave a current affair, again, she scooped me up and gave me that opportunity that gave me the confidence, the money and the experience to launch me off into my business. And, oh, and we've kind great. of stayed in touch over the years and she's still in media doing all sorts of wonderful things. And um, and she used to say to my mum, this is quite funny, because her kids were like three and five, she would say to my mum, I want my kids to grow up and be like Monica. Like Monica's oh. just so lovely and so she's got such a good work ethic and really has it all together, all these things that she obviously didn't see me on the weekends. but
0: anyway. <laughs> <laughs> No, don't be like that.
1: And, um, and that was really amazing. But what's weird about that is now her kids are older than my kids because she's older than me. Yeah. So her kids are in their 20s, mine are still in their teens or early teens, and I'm thinking I want my kids to be like that. <laughs> so anyway, just, it's an admiration so circle two, that goes around I was
0: going to say, mutual um, admiration society, So, I love so it. that
1: was Judy and, yeah, that's sort of the part she played. And I... In the early years of my business, I caught up with her quite a bit and going, help, (laughs) what am I doing? And she kind of kept me, you know, grounded and going.
0: Oh, I love her.
1: And then the next one, um, when I started my business, I joined, um, I became a mentoree in a women in business mentor program that was put on by the Business Enterprise Centre and run by a guy called David Baumgarten, who some women listening to this might have had dealings with. Lovely guy. Anyway, um, Deb was my uh, mentor, so it was a free program sponsored by the government, I think, and she was assigned to me. And she, how lucky am I because her Who job, is she, Deb
0: Deb. who? She's a,
1: her name is Deb Sullivan yeah. and she's a business coach. Um, right, okay. So she just took me on as if I was a client, which was, like, <laughs> amazing because she just treated me like I was a business coach client and she was like an amazing business coach. So she, she had a lot of belief in what I was doing and also really set me up in those early days to, you know, one big thing she said to me was systems. You have to have systems because you're going to employ people and when you employ people, you, um, you're going to need systems because it can't all just be in your head and, you know, lots of things like that that I wouldn't have had a clue about. Um, But they were just one of many nuggets that she gave me. So that was also fantastic. And we stayed in touch for many years. I've lost touch with her now, but um, I did write her a thank you note a couple of years ago. I stalked her, found out where she lived and just sort of wrote her a note to say how much I appreciated her back then. And now I am a mentor as well in a few different programs just to give back um, the way she gave to me. So she's the third one. But along the way, I have worked. I have hired quite a few women who have been amazing women and supports in my life and continue to be. So even though they were my employees, um, they they taught me so much, they gave me so much, and they're still friends to this day. So, yeah, women, like can I say women that's also,
0: rock. Yeah, they do, but yeah. you are obviously a great boss because people don't stay in t- contact with their bosses unless they love them. So yeah, well, think- kudos to you as well. <laughs> Um, okay, so you're a mum. How old are your kids at the moment? So
1: my kids are all about to have a birthday in March within a week of each other. God oh, gosh. Like, don't even ask me how that happened. But um, they're turning 15, 13 and 10, so two girls and a boy.
0: And, you, and they're, all their birthdays are within a week so of so? Within 10
1: days, 13, 19 and 21st of March.
0: wow oh my goodness so there's a certain time of year when you got you and your hubby have been (laughs) you know what we're
1: on holidays in Holland every July because it was summer so there you go right
0: so (laughs) so, well now we know why they all got born at the same time so how is a mum who's running a business that you're passionate about and obviously your hubby's running his business too yeah how have you juggled that with kids do you set have set hours and say, right, weekends are off or yeah. evenings are off yeah. or is it just kind of flowing and it just no. sort of.
1: I, I've been the sort of person that I can never, um, I can't work with my kids around. So right. when when I was pregnant the first time, oh, like a lot of first-time pregnant women, we cr- we built a, we built a baby room in our office thinking, oh, the baby will sleep, and while the baby sleeps, I'll chat to a client, and then the baby will wake up and I'll breastfeed. And you
0: forget that it, uh, that only lasts about uh, a month. Well,
1: <laughs> she I don't think she spent more than half an hour in that room. We t- oh, my In God. the end, we turned it into another little meeting room because <laughs> what I realised was for myself, and a lot of women can do this, but for myself, I, I struggled to – I can multitask, but I struggled to wear several hats at once. So while she was in the office, I felt that I couldn't really be effective um, running the business. Right. Um, so I really had to separate it. So that was wonderful that Yura um, my husband was able to stay home, and I I poured out milk from my boobs faster than they can pour beer <laughs> in a pub. Like we, right. I would I would literally go Psh, bottle number one, Psh, bottle number wow. two. Wow, and You're we lovely. always said. If only this was beer, we would be so rich. <laughs> <laughs> but um, th- that was very lucky. So I was very fortunate that I could pump out. And you know what? If breastfeeding doesn't work, formula is just brilliant. So, yeah, that's right. anyway. That's but anyway, right. so there were like bottles and bottles in the freezer. My husband was home with the kids and, well, with the one, two, and three. And I took Tuesdays off. So Tuesday was my day to be with the baby or yep. the preschooler or whoever it was however old they were at the time, Um, and then weekends. I never work on weekends. I've never worked on weekends, so weekends I just switch off. And then I do get home like I did and I still do get home around 6. So we have dinners together. I want to be available. I don't want to miss out on their lives um, or the chats or whatever, but when I'm at work, I'm at work, and when I'm at home, I'm at home. Um, I I was never, you know, if a client called on my phone and I had the toddler with me, I couldn't take the call. I just, right. and I didn't want to sound unprofessional, like having a baby going man, man, man. So I just sort of, I let the call go to voicemail. I dealt with the baby. It's,
0: uh, can I just say though, it's so funny you say that because <laughs> if you have a client who had a toddler and they said to you, oh, "I'm so sorry," you'd be going. Don't be silly, it doesn't oh, matter at all. It's so have, funny, isn't it, when it's I yourself? It all. Yeah. No, it just compared to it, other people. It was
1: more that I felt like I couldn't focus on on the client yeah. while the toddler was um, like you know running up the slippery dip and about to break their neck and whatever. <laughs> so yeah,
0: no, I um, get you.
1: But I, I I made the most of their nap times, you know, on the Tuesday and um and then we put our kids into daycare and they all went into daycare at nine months. Right. Um, Not full time, like three days a week, and then my parents had them one day, and I had them one day, and
0: so yeah. So you just make it work, and you look back and you go, "How the hell did I do that?" I know,
1: I know. (laughs) But yeah, it it really kept me sane because I felt that I could. Oh, the other thing I found being a mother—you just become so much more efficient at the work you're doing. So I could do what I could previously do in eight hours, I'd pump out in four. Because I knew I had that dedicated time to do it, and then I could go home and wear my other hat that I I sort of had to wear and wanted to wear. So, and I'm. I think that was
0: a really that's a really good description, and I I think I was probably quite similar to you in a lot of ways. So, um, is there a quirky fact about you that most people don't know that you'd be up for sharing?
1: Uh, Maybe. Well, I I do (laughs) stand up comedy.
0: So, oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot. So, I love it that you do that. Yeah.
1: So that probably a lot of people don't know that because um, I haven't done enough publicity myself yet. But, yeah, so I, um, I, I've i always loved drama and doing drama, not being dramatic, although I am sometimes. And um, I, I just I, – a lot of your viewers would relate to this as well and listeners – Around the 40-year mark, I got a bit bored with my life. I was a bit yeah. like, we've run this business for years, the kids are, you know, none of them are in jail yet, you know, they're all on the right track. <laughs> um, what am I doing? What about with me? My, yeah, like I, I just feel like I'm in a rut. I'm just like not. And then curiosity led me to doing a stand-up. Co- comedy course
0: But what led you Like why stand up um, I just think you've got a, You're so brave I just yeah. don't I, I would get up And sing a song yeah. Or do some acting yeah. Without even thinking About yeah. it on a stage But yeah. stand up
1: The reason was oh. stand up Is because one Okay so I enjoy Watching stand up Which a lot of people do But when, yeah. when I watch stand up I get ideas So what I what I'd be out and about On my day And I'd see something Funny happen or quirky, and I think that would go well in a stand-up comedy routine. But I have no idea how to write it, how to write a stand-up right. comedy, or how it works. But I kept seeing things. That I thought, oh, that 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 would be quite fun to comment on, you know, as part of a society thing or whatever. So then I thought, let's just go see what it's all about. So I um, I enrolled in a community college course, and it was all theory. So. All theory about how to do a, make a joke, the theory of laughing, uh, a la, la, oh and no God. performing ex- until we did the graduation night. Um, so it was all this theory, and then we had to go away and write a comedy script, and then bring all our friends and family to watch us. And I was <laughs> oh like, "Holy <laughs> moly!" So yeah. i I have never been so nervous in my whole life.
0: Oh, I think I would have been sick before something uh, like that. That would have, that would have been terrifying.
1: But I did it, and um, I loved the experience. Absolutely loved it. People genuinely laughed. Like my friends actually said to me, "I promise you, I wasn't. I wasn't like laughing
0: to people. you were really right. funny. Yeah, that,
1: it, it went well. So then I thought, okay, I'll keep going. And now it's been over two years. And I perform as much as I can wherever I can to whoever will have. Do you have
0: like a regular gig, or are you trying to get a regular <laughs> well, gig somewhere? Not a
1: regular gig, because the way it works in comedy is um, there's open mic nights where you can go. Any comic can go yes. and practice their stuff and try out new stuff. Then you've got your more booked programs, which is um, people who put on. Uh, Curated shows—it's called where they choose the comics in this small yes. part of the lineup. So I'm at that stage where I'm just trying to get into as many curated shows as I can, um, as well as still doing the open mics. Um, and you get into the curated shows by being out there, being seen, getting other comics to see your stuff, and them going, "Oh, I run a room. I'm going to put you on my show." Um, so I'm getting right. to the point where I'm—I'm I'm in about—I'm trying to get into between four and six. Or four to eight shows a month, um, all over Sydney.
0: Wow, and that's like that's uh, that's blown my mind. I thought you were going to say maybe one a month. Yeah, four to eight a month—that's amazing. Well, have you yeah. have you heard of Joanne Brookfield? Have you read her book? No, I'm going to have to. Get, so yeah. she is one of the women that I. In fact, I did a ticker TV show with two stand-up okay. comedians I oh, know. Okay. And Joanne has written a book. Um. I think it might be called Funny Women or something. I'll find it. But all she's done is she's interviewed successful female stand-up comics about how they've done it. I think I might need to get you the Oh, yes. I'd
1: love that. I'd love that. And, (laughs) yeah, I love stand-up comedy because it's a whole other side of the brain and it's fun and it's still scary. See, I, I think to develop yourself you have to be scared. You have to put yourself out of your comfort zone. And when I get in my comfort zone of writing performing a set that I know really well and I know it's going to get the laughs, I get bored with that. Like I, as much as I wish I could just do that forever, I know I have to keep writing, keep, you know, performing a new joke for the first time is so scary because as Seinfeld said, it's like going to work in your underpants. You are so vulnerable. <laughs> you've had this idea. You think it's funny but how do you know anyone else gets it, On, you know.
0: And, and if then they don't, it's. Not, I guess it's not like, oh, well, they didn't get it. It's like, oh, my God, you know, why did I go down that route and I should have known?
1: Well, the thing is with comedy, it's often about just tweaking a word. Sometimes you use one word that's different and it gets the laughs, you know. So I try not to beat myself up about too much. But um, this year I'm starting to work with a comedy coach um, and I'm planning to take it to the next level and I'm performing in the Melbourne International Comedy Festival.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God, uh, yeah. I'm so going to watch you. When is that? What time is that? It's in April. That? I haven't got the date yet, but it's in April. So,
1: yeah.
0: Amazing. Oh, Monica, that is just so, I love the way that your, your brain thinks and I love the way that you push yourself like Thank that. You. Thank that you. That is very, very exciting. Okay, well, we're just about at the end and we have been waffling wow, on for a while, awesome. but I'm just going to ask the two questions that I always ask, which yes. are really nothing to do with anything other than yes. me being nosy. Are there some apps that you use on your phone for business that you want to share, or are you um, not a phone user?
1: Um, for business, um, the one that I, ugh, the one that I use for business is voice memos quite a lot. So okay. it's like when I, um, you know, interview people or whatever with media training and things like that, I just find it's really handy to get a con- conversation in in the voice memo. Right, um, so yes, that that's one that I use for business a lot, and that's very helpful.
0: And then, what about for fun? Do you do you play on your phone for fun?
1: No, well, in terms of play, podcasts. <laughs> so <I'm>, I don't <laughs> right. know if this is a bit broad, but I've got that podcast thing, and I've just listened to lots and lots of different podcasts, and I absolutely love it because it, it sets me up for the day. I walk to work with my dog, and I listen to a podcast, and I feel like I've come in and I've I've done you know I've yeah, it just put me in the
0: right right wavelength. Oh, fantastic! Yes, I like it. Well, Monica, I don't even know how to say thank you because that was a brilliant oh, interview. Good. I love your story. Thank um, you, if Frances. anyone wants to get hold of you, what's the best way for them to do that? Either as a speaker who can do stand up, which yep. I would say makes you a very attractive speaker, <laughs> um, or or as a publicist or a publicity agency. What's the best um, way to get hold probably, of you?
1: Probably so. My email, Monica um, at Word. StormPR.com.au.
0: Okay, and of course, LinkedIn is another great place. And LinkedIn, yes,
1: connect with me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way um, because you'll see all my stuff. I'll see yours, and we can start chatting that way.
0: Wonderful. Well, listen, thank you so so much for being such a wonderful guest.
1: Thank you very much, Jules. This went so fast. I can't believe (laughs) the hour was so fast. Um, I've really enjoyed it, and thank you for having me.
0: My pleasure. (laughs) I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to shestheboss.com.au.